This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible and a matching grant will double your gift. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. We were telling you yesterday about this new poll out from the Public Religion Research Institute showing 67% of Americans now support so-called same-sex marriage. But what's most troubling about that high figure is that now a majority of Republicans back faux marriage, as well as almost half of evangelical Christians. It's incredible. There are all kinds of potential repercussions to this. And so we're going to get some thoughts on it now from my friend Stephen Black, executive director over at First Stone Ministries. And Stephen, it's a delight to have you back. How are you doing? Oh, I'm well. Thank you, Janet. Always good to be with you. Thank you for being here. Let's talk about some of these numbers. This poll says that after hovering in the low 60s for the past three years, support for so-called same-sex marriage is now up to 67 percent, and it's up from 36 percent back in 2007. How do you respond to this news? Well, it's, uh, it is shocking numbers, and in some ways, with what we've been seeing in the evangelical church, uh, with the erosion over the last um, really 15 years has been really bad. It's not totally surprising. Um, there is this uh, APA, you know, American Psychological Orientation narrative that has been taught in the highest places of our seminaries and Bible colleges. And so the idea of orientation, the L and the G, and the compassion towards the uh, lesbian and gay identity has been in, being embraced now for, you know, for 25 years. Yes. But these last 15 years, it's really eroded in the church with people like the ERLC and Matthew Vines meeting with the Focus on the Family people and the ERLC meeting with the HRC. So, you know, this this compassionate idea is actually bringing a further erosion. Well, right. Now, you, you raised a really important point, and that is the narrative, and that's always part of the game with LGBT activists. What would you say are some of the most effective narratives that they have foisted on Americans in order to turn public opinion around? Because you think about this, whatever you were thinking in 2007, understanding, for example, why so many states voted to preserve marriage as one man, one woman, how in the world do people completely abandon that and go in the opposite direction? direction. Clearly, there is a narrative they're buying into, and you mentioned orientation. But what about the aspect of normalization, what's been done in the media, what people are seeing now on TV, the Ellen Show, and some of these other Hollywood movies and TV shows that really have done a lot to normalize homosexuality? It, how much of a, uh, an issue has that been, would you say, in changing minds on this issue? Well, well thought through, because... Uh uh, we have been browbeaten now for the last uh, 30 years in this country with the idea that people are born gay. And so, you know, this started happening in 1991 with the Simon LeVay report. 
And so people have been under this influence. Uh, people are born gay. And when you find out the actual truth, the scientific data, like the largest study that was ever conducted that was released in 20, August of 2019 with the genome-wide study with over 477,000 people that conclusively showed that there is no genetic disposition towards homosexuality, that kind of information gets buried yeah. by this, what, you know, uh, President Trump coined the, the, or Rush Limbaugh, both of them, either fake news or the drive-by media. Yes. And the, this is what's been happening. And so this narrative in this last generation, this last 30 years, uh, you know, those five-year-olds are now 35-year-olds, and they're actually in places of power and authority. They've been listening to those lies over and over and over, and most of these people have gay-identified friends. Yes. And that's mm -hmm. what we fi find even in, uh, you know, large churches. You've got these pastors and influential people that are being, you know, really, uh, on honestly, very manipulated by the LGBTQ++ sign, and people need to pay attention to that because it's human secularism, a secular humanism. It is a, a faith-based religion uh, that's based upon their God, the American Psychological Association, and Freudianism, and they're listening to that rather than the, you know, the truth that God has made us in His image. Yeah. And these Republicans, most of them, ironically, actually call themselves Christians. And we need to come beside this and say, wait, you know, there is a standard of uh, God's Word and God's way. And hold these people accountable to God's Word and way, but also the science that really is on our side. Yeah. So we've had this browbeating now going on for 30 years, and so this is the outcome. We've been listening to lies. You're right. That's well said. I, the other thing about 51% of Republicans now supporting so-called same-sex marriage, the reason that's extremely troubling is because, as we know, uh, some 80% of evangelical Christians vote Republican, and they have in their platform still a commitment to marriage is between one man and one woman. But now you've seen these shifts, for example, in the last few years where you have more and more high-profile Republicans who are openly gay and it's normalizing that situation among Republicans saying, well, we like Rick Grinnell. We like Guy Benson, people like that. I mean, how do you come forward, though, and say, well, wait a minute. Anybody, of course, can vote for any party they want to. And there's no question that some of these people are bright people. But how do you see that as having come out of the you know, life of homosexuality yourself many, many years ago? How do you see those high profile figures affecting the way the Republican Party is now turning in terms of the LGBT issue? Well, we have to use some of their, their own uh, language that is truth-based, and that is what is love and what is really loving, and bold love t uh, tells the truth boldly, um, that there is no other um, divine intention for God in human sexuality except for one man and one woman in covenant marriage relating, that you can never change the fact that men are XY and women are XX at the biology, biological level, the physical level. And so we need to get back to biology 101 and say, okay, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the hard fact science? Or are you going to believe the science 
that's based on theory and emotion, psychology. Because we need to get back to hard, biblical, but also science fact that men are men, women are women. I mean, we have this this craziness going on, you know, with the the uh, president, uh, acting president Biden, um, you know, uh, putting a a transgendered male to female person in a position of mental health oh, and, and care. Incredible, it's ridiculous. It is. Yeah, things are upside down. It, it's so we we have to get back to the science and talk about you know what's really loving. Is it loving to allow? It's like I said yesterday to a group of uh, senators and, and representatives, and that is, are you as Republicans going to allow them to be silenced, like in 1973 with abortion, with our daughters now being mutilated and pumped full of hormones, hmm. and then going after our boys with the same diabolical uh, understanding that transgender is somehow a good thing that, you know, our gender, that our sexuality is fluid, and that somehow behavior is fixed. This is upside down, and we have to get back to really walking out love. It really is about love and being truthful. Well, it is. And and what really strikes me, I had mentioned this on yesterday's program. I had taken out one of the articles, many articles that have been written on the Gnostic roots, really, of this idea that I can create reality out of sheer will. You know, I believe, you know, Richard Levine believes he's now a woman. So he's calling himself Rachel and he looks like a man in a blonde wig. And we're all supposed to (laughs) just go along with this. But it's so bizarre that we live at a time when society, at least some of the people in society, are saying to us, we all have to accept his disordered view of reality. We have to turn reality on its head and deconstruct what actually is objective reality and what happens to a nation that goes that way. We're going to come back. Stephen Black, my guest, we're talking about the GOP and evangelical support for so-called same-sex marriage. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. We're partnering with Bible League International on Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa. In many parts of countries like Kenya, Tanzania, and Mozambique, nine of 10 Christians are denied God's word by corrupt governments and majority religions. They've never been able to read 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Reading that promise of God means everything to you and me. And now it will mean so much to these Bibleless Christians in Africa when you respond. Here's Pastor Abel. I've seen people being changed by reading the scripture. Giving a Bible to somebody is the greatest gift you can give somebody in life. $5 sends one Bible, $100 sends 20, and a limited time match will double your gift and help us meet our goal of sending 1,500 Bibles to Africa. Please call 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or there's an Open the Floodgates banner at JanetMefford.com. Call now, 800-YES-WORD. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. Did you miss the deadline to sign up for a healthcare program at the end of 2020? If so, I have good news. A special enrollment period is taking place now through August 15th, meaning that if you're looking to enroll in a new healthcare program for 2021, you can do so without the need for a qualifying event. 
More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their healthcare needs. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that offers affordable healthcare sharing programs starting as low as $199 per month. Liberty HealthShare gives you the ability to choose any doctor or hospital across the nation. Memberships are for individuals, couples, and families, offering a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. It's no surprise that support for LGBTQ plus rights rose across the board in this latest poll from Public Religion Research Institute. 51% of Republicans now support so-called same-sex marriage, and almost half of evangelicals do. We're going to get to that in a minute. But Stephen Black is with us, executive director of First Stone Ministries and author of Freedom Realized. And he was set free by the Lord years ago from homosexuality. He has a wonderful, beautiful family today and helps those who are wrestling with homosexuality and other kinds of sexual brokenness in his ministry. When we're talking about the Republicans, Stephen, I'm really curious to get your take on this. If the Republican Party has been a haven for Christians and the base is very much made up of evangelical Christians and we see the GOP begin to go in a pro-LGBT direction and they continue in that direction such that at some point they won't be that much different from the Democrats on that particular issue, what does that mean in the long run for Christians and their voting patterns? Because this is happening at the same time that a lot of people within evangelicalism are moving the same way and saying, oh yeah, LGBT that's fine. You know, I'm I'm hip. I'm cool. And you know, love is love and all that. What do you see this doing to the voting patterns? Uh, do you see Christians abandoning the GOP if they keep going this way? Or do you see Christians accommodating the culture and going with them? Well, both. That's what's scary and sad. Uh, unfortunately, what there what a lot of Christians that are actually even solid Bible believing Christians are um, capitulating in that they're throwing their hands up uh, in regard to even being active, salt and light involved in uh, putting the pressure. We need courageous people to stand up and communicate the scientific fact that heterosexuality is not merely an orientation. It's yes. innate. Yes. It's immutable. It's biology 101, and, and it begins with calling for church people to actually say, you know what, enough is enough. This is crazy. We've got crazy people, honestly, and, and I'm not trying to be derogatory, but people like this Richard Levin, you know, it's sad. Uh, I'm not going to call him Rachel. That This person, if we really want to love people, we have to call out mental illness. Yeah. We have to call out that these people are broken and there are reasons behind it and get help. But the, the, the sad thing is, is we have people afraid of being labeled bigot, homophobe, people afraid of maybe potential consequences of, of their employment situations. And so that's the problem is we don't have a courageous Bible-believing uh, base that's willing to push back on the GOP. And if we see that happen, there is a potential that there could be a shift, like there has been with uh, abortion and understanding these. this really is 
killing an unborn human being. Right. And uh, and that there's now, you know, a, a good percentage, a majority now, that believe it is taking a life. And on this issue, though, I don't know that we survive it if we continue down this erosion of perversion. And that's, I'm not trying to be, um, you know, uh, derogatory. I'm calling it what it really is as someone who's lived it, been there, seen it, yep. and seen the consequences in people's lives. I often, it destroys their lives. Well, right. And I often wonder if your story, for example, was told on the front pages of the Washington Post or the New York Times, or you were a guest on CNN for an hour with Chris Cuomo giving your testimony, which we know this would never happen. But how much of a difference that might make if those people who are not Christians don't tune into this show in particular, uh, if they heard the stories and, and so many stories that you know of just in your work and, and your association with people over the years who have left homosexuality. Hundreds. It would make a huge difference if people just heard those stories and how much malpractice is being perpetrated on the American public when none of these outlets will tell your story or, or stories of people like you. Yeah, and Jenny, you know, uh, Laura Beth Perry on our staff, she she mentioned the other day, and we're getting ready to, to put this out, 17,000 people in one of a, a Reddit, one of, the, one of those social media, I'm not on Reddit, but she's she's been polling it. There is a group of 17,000 people that have sex change regret. Wow. And these people are starting to brew with how disserviced and how hurt their lives have been. And I think we're going to see some class action lawsuits coming um, against these pharmaceutical companies and potential uh, uh, entities that have pushed this um, transgenderism. Good. It's tragic what's happening well, it uh, is. to many of these lives. Yeah, you're right about that. Now, shifting a little bit, let's talk about the evangelical support, because this is even, uh, I think, a much bigger story. The only group where support for same-sex marriage dropped below 50% was evangelical Protestants, regardless of race. You think that's good news on its face. But then you look at these statistics, 43% of white evangelicals, 41% of Hispanic evangelicals, and 49% of black evangelicals backed so-called gay marriage. Is this not the fault, at least to some degree, of our pulpits in this country and the responsibility that pastors and elders and church leaders who know the Bible uh, have for not teaching it to their people and not standing on this issue back when it might have made a difference? Absolutely. It is absolutely squarely uh, under the responsibility of our church leadership to uh, proclaim truth that is transformative, a grace that changes souls, and not leaving people stuck in this orientation narrative and uh, broken ideology and broken identity. It is tragic that any pastor would circumvent this and not preach clearly God's divine intention on human sexuality and to do it often. If sex is a big problem in the church with 70% of men looking at pornography, this needs to be addressed almost at a weekly fashion and making sure that our men and our children are holy, that our children are kept safe, and that our men become holy in the church in dealing with these these issues. Right. And it, it really does rest upon our pulpits. And the problem is, is you've got tithers, 
and you've got family members, and you've got people that are extended uh, family members that cause, well, you don't understand, Stephen, I'm going to be going home for Christmas or, you know, our vacation, and it's going to cause a big, big uh, fight, a disruption, and I'm going... Did you not read Matthew 10? (laughs) Even people of your own household are going to rise up and hate you if you preach the truth. And so we need to be calling on our leaders to be courageous and quit being cowardice. Oh, I agree with you. Now, for those people, Christians included, and it pains me to even say that, who will say, for example, "Eh, same-sex marriage, it doesn't matter anymore. We live in a secular society. What's done is done with this Obergefell decision. We just need to find a way where they can have their rights and we can have ours. Obviously, that's ridiculous when you look at the Equality Act because the the activists just want to destroy our rights. We see that coming down the pike. But to the person who would say it doesn't matter if a man marries a man or a man marries a woman, what would be kind of a short answer that you would give to that person to to really refute that argument that same-sex marriage is fine? Well, it's ridiculous because they are basing their thought patterns and beliefs upon secular humanism and their end game is to remove the Bible and Christianity from the culture. Right. That's true. And, and, and going back to the purpose of marriage, this is something else I know you and I have discussed. This is a union created by God that has both a biological component and also a procreative component that homosexual couples cannot duplicate without at least the pro- procreative. They can't duplicate without the help of a lab and a test tube uh, or a surrogate in some way. But when we talk about what marriage is, it seems we've really dropped the ball on even going back and talking about marriage. What is marriage? Why did God want one man and one woman to come together in a lifelong covenant union? That that seems to be something we've just swept under the rug at this point. Yeah, and we need to quit calling it gay marriage because gay marriage is no marriage at all. Yeah. It's a debaucherous covenant. They're entering into, a honestly, a, a spiritual darkness that is uh, very uh, dark. It's not marriage that God intended. And so, you know, we we have to get back to preaching the truth about what's happening to these people, because they are entering into something that is a dark covenant. Well, what do we do going forward? Stephen, I know you and I have worked together on our God's Voice conference, which we had to suspend last year due to COVID-19. But when we're talking about the church and going back and seeing a revival in the church and a reformation in the church on this and a host of other issues, going back to the word of God is always the central thing. We need to return to Christ and his word in all things as authoritative. Where do we go from here? What are some of the ideas you might have for turning things around by the grace of God, of course, in this area? Well, we need to continue to come beside the church as ministries, as just even individuals to ask the hard questions. What are you believing? And are you, pastor, everyone listening right now, if they would just go and start asking their pastors, do they have a solution to bring salt and light and light, the love of God, to stop this erosion taking place? Because they are squarely now going after our children. In the public schools in California, they're wanting to give hormone blockers. They're wanting to transition our children. What are you, pastor, 
What are you going to do about this? And everyone listening needs to be asking if they're pastors and their leaders and those that they can influence in uh, places of lawmaking or city ordinances or councils or, or even school boards. What are you doing to really protect the children and protect this culture? We've got to start asking the hard questions based upon our love for God and His truth. Amen. Well said. And and you know, it goes back to what a lot of us have been saying for quite a few years. You can put your head in the sand on this issue if you want to, but this issue will find you. You're not going to get away with not talking about it on some level just because you don't want people to send you death threats or scream at you or expose you on the internet. You just have to put all of that fear aside and, and make sure that your fear is rightly placed as the fear of God. And that's what needs to be front and center for every single Christian. Stephen, we just love you and your ministry, firststone.org. People can visit it, and I hope you will. Stephen, thanks again for being here. Always a pleasure. Thank you. God bless you, sister. God bless you. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. This Janet Meffer Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible and a matching grant will double your gift. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, what is more important and more precious to a Christian than God's Word? The Bible is everything to those of us who know and love Jesus Christ. But for many believers in Africa, there are no Bibles. They don't have access to them. And that's why we are really excited to tell you about our campaign with Bible League International. It's called Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa. This is a wonderful initiative to equip churches in Africa with the Bibles and training they need to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And we here at Janet Meffer today want to send 1,500 Bibles to African Christians. But of course, we need your help to do that. But the cost is so reasonable. It's just $5 to send one Bible. And of course, $50 sends 10 Bibles. And best of all, because of a special limited matching gift, your gift will be doubled. So when you give today, you will send twice as many Bibles. Here's the number to call 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D. Or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Would really encourage you to help us out in this wonderful campaign. And we're going to spend a few minutes now with Michael Woolworth, who is Senior Director of Broadcast Media at Bible League International. Michael, so great to talk to you again. How have you been? Janet, it's great to hear your voice, and it's great to hop on for a few moments and let your listeners know what we're doing together. You know, you've got a good problem, Janet. You know what it, you know what it is? Tell me. Your listeners, your listeners have a legacy of responding and delivering very, very generously. So we've come to love them at Bible League. We're simply asking, do it again. Will you do it again this yeah. time on behalf of Christians in Africa who are praying for God's Word? But great to be with you, Janet. Oh, yeah. Great to talk to you. Well, how much need is there for Bibles in Africa right now? I think there are a lot of us who think about Africa as having been evangelized, and there are a lot of Christians over in Africa. But what is the situation like on the ground when it comes to Bible access? 
Well, let me give you some uh, perspective. So Africa, this is where Christianity is growing in the greatest numbers in the world. Number two is Asia. Number three region is Latin America. But would you know it at Bible League, we serve in about 20% of the 50 plus countries in Africa. We find that as many as nine of 10 Christians in places like Kenya, um, uh, Ghana, Mozambique, Tanzania, countries we'll talk about uh, during our, our weeks together, um, do not have a Bible. And what's that mean? It means about 10% of the evangelical population can open God's Word and be reminded of His promises on a daily basis. In the year 1900, Janet, the Christian community uh, numbered about 10 million. Today, it's more than 400 million. And we get to be a part of the story of the Christians uh, that I want to share uh, about here in, in just a moment. So if you can imagine 10 Christians on average in parts of those countries I just mentioned and others that we, where we serve they do not have access to the Bible. And so we're doing something about it, again, through this campaign that we're calling Open the Floodgates. If you can remember Ethiopia back in 1984, I mean, there was a severe drought. It led to a severe famine. A million people lost their lives. But I can tell you, Ethiopia is a place where the gospel is taking grips. And so we've purposely come up with this title, Open the Floodgates. We want to open the floodgates and see Bibles uh, flood into uh, the continent of Africa today. Well, that's wonderful. Why is it? What are the reasons that these countries where these Christians live are so lacking in access to Bibles? Why is it so pervasive that these believers do not have access to God's Word? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Corrupt governments. You think about uh, the uh, dictator in Zimbabwe for a number of years, a man by the name of Mugabe did everything he could to stop the advance of the gospel. There's a lot of majority religions, um, i.e. Um, Islam, in various parts with different uh, groups that do everything they can to threaten Christians, uh, to see, uh, again, the, 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 the gospel uh, thwarted uh, where, where they're at. Other reasons are like uh, remoteness and poverty. I mean, if you live on a dollar a day, you can't afford a Bible. There's no Christian bookstore, no big box retailers, no uh, Amazon to drop a, a box of Bibles into a village. But one of the real reasons, main reasons, is remoteness. If I can share a story, I think this will uh, exemplify, Janet, kind of what Christians are up against in that part of the world. I was in Tanzania, Africa. It's everything you see in the pages of uh, National Geographic, Mount Kilimanjaro's here, the Serengeti. We were there expressly to give out Bibles to new believers, people that have left all the isms that plague Africa, <laughs> and they had come through Bible Leagues, uh, Bible study. It's about an eight to 12 week uh, study. You go through that kind of one-on-one to begin, and you're um, invited into a group study, and at the end, we make a big deal about it. And Janet, that's why we were there that day, 110 degree day. It was nothing more than a shanty church, but name by name was read of these believers mm-hmm. who had come to place their faith in Jesus Christ. The men shouted, the women ululated. Um, one of the women I gave a Bible to, I'll never forget her, 65-year-old Mabel Mawita. I found out that she was the village witch doctor for, uh, again, six and, a half, uh, six and a half decades of her life, Janet, spent in the grips of spiritual darkness. But she had left all of that to follow Christ. And there I was, given a Bible in the Swahili language, emotionally, because I knew what her story was. I have to admit, I was a, I was a ball baby. I had to get out of there, Janet. <laughs> and as I stand uh, looking back at this building, there was a pastor there, a man by the name of Abraham, spoke English, spoke Swahili. And he said, he said, Michael, he said, this is really a literal and figurative picture of Christianity in Africa today. He said, those on the inside are not ashamed to say, I'm a new creation in Christ. And that's exactly what she did with that Bible held it above her head 10 times and said, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. And she said, those, he said, those on the outside, they're asking, who's this Jesus? They, they, they knew Mabel to be a pillar in her community. You know, somebody that uh, people went to, to spiritual, for spiritual guidance. 
And now she had left all of that to follow this Jesus. And so, you know, in, in the moment that I'm at graduations like that, giving out Bibles to new believers, you know, I think of your listeners who have given so sacrificially in the year or so that we have partnered together for the gospel. And um, I, I know that's why your listeners get involved. They, they pray for the Great Commission to be realized. And Janet, we're here today to say it is, but there's a great need. There are literally thousands or millions of Mabels in Africa, and we get to step into her story with this campaign. Well, it's wonderful, and I do have the best listeners in Christian radio. I will say it loud and proud because I love my listeners, and and they really love God's Word. That's the point. I think so many people who interact with us on a daily basis at Janet Mefford today talk about that, how much they love the Lord and how much they love his word and how can we not share that with believers who are lacking God's word and I just want to remind people it only costs five dollars to send one Bible and right now because of a limited matching gift you'll actually be sending two Bibles that's incredible five dollars or fifty dollars will send ten Bibles but because of the limited matching gift you'll be sending 20 Bibles here's the number to call 800 yes word 800 y-e-s-w-o-r-d as we aim to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa with our campaign here with Bible League International. Michael Woolworth with us. What does it mean to these believers, Michael? I I always love these stories that you tell because it gives us a glimpse into the reaction that you get from believers on the other side of the world receiving a copy of God's Word. But what difference do these Bibles make? When these believers do receive a Bible, what's their reaction and, and how do they interact and use the Bible in a way that helps them grow in Christ? Well, you know, in the region that we're talking about, Africa, and specifically in Tanzania, a lot of people are animists. What do they do? They believe there's spirits and places and things. They've never understood who Jesus is. They've lived in the grips of spiritual darkness. And when they finally get a Bible, having come to faith in Christ, of course, the Bible meant nothing uh, before that to them, but now that Jesus, the great lover of their soul, has sought them, they're seeking him. And Janet, uh, I can tell you, these uh, places where we hold these graduations, the church buildings look nothing more than uh, than like a, a glorified picnic pavilion. But as my colleagues travel with us, uh, with me, we, we say to ourselves, you know, these churches are no less than what we worship in on Sundays. This is the Church of Christ. It looks a little different in different parts of the world, but it's how we can come alongside and, again, realize the Great Commission uh, is uh, being realized around the world. Janet, how many of us wake up and we say, I want to be a blessing, but how how do I do that to Christians half a world away? And Jesus said, look, if I be lifted up, I'll draw the nations to myself, and that's what's happening today. It's exciting. Well, and right, isn't it the case that some of these churches, the only one who has a Bible is the pastor? Yeah, a lot of times, yeah, you know, your listeners may say, okay, Woolworth, come on, you're trying to pull our leg here. You're exaggerating. No, what Janet says is true. A lot of times the pastor is the only one, and it may be an old, dilapidated Swahili Bible. And so that's the ministry that God has given Bible League. This is our 83rd year of ministry, Janet. We could not do it without wonderful listeners like yours that uh, choose to get involved by becoming Bible centers. We've got a big goal. It's 1,500 Bibles. But again, if there's a group that can get it done, it's the Janet Mefford Today listening family. We appreciate you so much, Janet. Oh, well, we appreciate you too, Michael. And I'll remind listeners, $5 sends one Bible and it'll be doubled today if you can call 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or there is a banner to click over at JanetMefford.com. Michael Woolworth, God bless you. And we'll keep praying for more Bibles. Thanks a lot for being here. Thank you, Janet. All right. You take care. We'll be back on Janet Meffer today.
Hi, this is Janet Mefford. If you're in need of a new health care program, but you missed the open enrollment deadline in December, it's not too late. A special enrollment period is taking place now through August 15th. During this time, you can enroll in the health care program of your choice without the need for a qualifying event. This means you can now enroll in a health care sharing program from Liberty HealthShare with memberships for individuals, couples, and families. You can find a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Plus, you really can choose the doctor and hospital of your choice. Best of all, membership options start for as low as $199 a month. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their health care needs. What are you waiting for? Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. When Julia ended a bad relationship, she found out she was pregnant. After the father told her to get an abortion, this mom was confused and didn't know what to do or who to talk to. I just knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Julia was referred to a preborn center where she was counseled and supported with the strength that she needed to choose life. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Because of them, he's here. We're going to get through it and it's going to be okay. Preborn centers provide hope, love, free ultrasounds, and the gospel of Jesus Christ to moms like Julia. Preborn truly is the alternative to Planned Parenthood. Will you join Preborn in helping love and support young moms in crisis? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help rescue five babies' lives. To donate, call now, 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229, 855-402-2229, or there's a pre born banner to click at janetmefford.com you're listening to janet mefford today and now here's janet that was one painful press conference i wouldn't even mind if president biden waited another 60 some days for the next one it's ridiculous it's ridiculous do you remember all those press conferences full of those reporters who were foaming at the mouth and screaming at kaylee McEnany and screaming at president trump and demanding this and demanding that They've been completely tamed. It's like they're lions and they had a lion tamer come in and make them into little kittens, handpicked by the Democrats to come in and be properly socially distanced and masked up and just ask the right questions at the right time, which you know he likely had beforehand as he's looking down at his paper and calling on this person and calling on that person. What a joke and what an embarrassment for journalism. And this has been going on, obviously, for quite a while. But what an embarrassment. Oh, Mr. President. I mean, whatever happened to like the Sam Donaldson's of old? Sam Donaldson famously was the one who was trying to be a tough guy with Ronald Reagan. And that's not entirely bad, folks. I don't care about tough questions of any president. Theoretically, when you have a president, you ought to have a tough press on both parties because both parties can do something that's not in the interest of the people. That's what journalism is supposed to do well. And it's a joke now. It's absolutely incredible. And if you had to suffer through that press conference, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But I want to get into some of the most noteworthy moments of the Biden press conference. Let's go to the issue of the border. This is the only reporter who even tried to ask something kind of significant. And and it was still over the top. Oh, you're so great, President Biden. But let's listen to it. Cut one. Given the conditions that were just laid out, 
at the migrant facilities at the U.S. border? Will you commit to allowing journalists to have access to the facilities that are overcrowded moving forward? I will commit when my plan very shortly is underway to let you have access to not just them, but to other facilities as well. To be able to have access to the facilities. We've obviously been allowed to be inside one, but we haven't seen the facilities in which children are packed together to really give the American people a chance to see that. Will you commit to transparency on this issue? I will commit to transparency. And as soon as I am in a position to be able to implement what we're doing right now, and one of the reasons I haven't gone down, I have all my, my chief folks have gone down, is I don't want to become the issue. I don't want to be, you know, bringing all the Secret Service and everybody with me to get in the way. So this is being set up, and you'll have full access to everything once we get this thing moving. And just to be clear, how soon will that be, Mr. President? I don't know, to be clear. Oh, that's nice. Good pushback there. That's unacceptable. I will commit when my plan is underway. You know, you're not the king, buddy. And if this had been President Trump or any other Republican and you had the kids in cages, which they screamed about the entire time that Trump was in office, they never would have let him get away with that kind of nonsense. Oh, I don't want to to become the issue. If I went down there, I'd have Secret Service with me. What a joke of an answer. And there should have been massive pushback from the press on that. What do you mean you're the issue? You're the president of the United States. We have a crisis on our southern border and you have a bounden duty to get down there and lead. What's the matter with you? Why haven't you had a press conference in so many days? You've taken longer than any other president in 100 years after inauguration to get in front of the American people. Makes me want to go back into reporting. Not that I'd get hired anymore. Uh, But anyway, he answered another question, too, about re-election and the possible future of the GOP. This was quite interesting. This is cut two. You also just made some news by saying that you are going to run for re-election. I said that is my expectation. So is that a yes, that you are running for re-election? Look, I I don't know where you guys come from, man. I've never been able to travel. I'm a great respecter of fate. I've never been able to plan four and a half, three and a half years ahead for certain. And if if you do run, will Vice President Harris be on your ticket? I would fully expect that to be the case. She's doing a great job. She's a great partner. She's a great partner. And do you believe you'll be running against former President Trump? Oh, come on. I don't even think about it. I don't have, I have no idea. I have no idea whether it'll be a Republican Party. Do you? I'm sorry. You, you don't even know if there will be a Republican Party at the time of the next election? Was that a gaffe? Because I don't think that was a joke. Was that just a weird thing that he says? I have no idea, but I think, you know, put that in your memory box and just keep it back there because if something happens in the future, it might come in handy. I don't know what, but that's just another odd moment of Joe Biden. Then he had this to say, uh, another interesting cut, cut three. With regard to the filibuster, I believe we should go back to a position of the filibuster that existed just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. Um, And that is that it used to be required for the filibuster. And I I had a card on this. I was going to give you the statistics, but you probably know them. Uh, That it used to be that that, from between 1917 and 1971, the filibuster existed. There were a total of 58 motions to break a filibuster that whole time. 
Last year alone, there were five times that many. So it's being abused in a gigantic way. It's being abused in a gigantic way by Democrats. He, ne- he never says it. It was abused by Democrats. And, and people who are low information voters will listen to that. Oh, those evil Republicans using the, the pushback technique that they did five times as many motions to break a filibuster as occurred between 1917 and 1971. Just the incredible dishonesty that was going on. Not surprising, but absolutely infuriating. Here's another weird moment. Cut four. As you observed, I'm a fairly practical guy. I want to get things done. I want to get them done consistent with what we promised the American people. And in order to do that, in a 50-50 Senate, we've got to get to the place where I get 50 votes so that the Vice President of the United States can break the tie, or I get 51 votes without her. And so I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. What? This is the leader of the free world. He doesn't even know where he is. He was in the middle in, at certain points during the press conference of answering a question and he lost his train of thought. He didn't even know what the question was. He had to come back to the reporter and say, what was your question again? And then he talked about the fact that when he was in the Senate, he wasn't really sure about the procedures on the filibuster. Really? You, you, were, not, you were not sure about it? And you were in the Senate for 120 years. That's what you said during your press conference. Now, this might have been one of the worst moments in the course of the press conference. This is on the issue of gun control. Listen to Cut 5. I know you haven't had a chance to address uh, the tragedies in Georgia and Colorado. Uh, You had said to stay tuned for actions that you might take on gun control. Wondering if you've made a decision either about sending the manufacturer liability bill that you had promised on day one to Capitol Hill or executive actions like going after ghost guns or giving money to cities and states to to battle gun control? All the above. It's a matter of timing. As you've all observed, successful presidents, better than me, have been successful in large part because they know how to time what they're doing. Order it. Decide in priorities what needs to be done. The next major initiative is, and I'll be announcing it Friday in Pittsburgh in detail, is to rebuild the infrastructure, both physical and technological infrastructure in this country. So what he's basically saying there is it's all in the timing, the gun control stuff. Yeah, I was going to introduce this bill, but not right now because the timing is, what, are you going to wait for another shooting? By the way, are you going to comment on the fact that we had uh, an Islamic person shall we say, originally from Syria, an ISIS sympathizer, now charged with 10 murders in Boulder. Might you have some reporter who would come up and say, does this make you have any sort of misgivings about your position on what you used to call Trump's Muslim ban? Does this change your position? No questions on that. No question on Hunter Biden and his gun scandal, how they found a gun in a dumpster and the Secret Service, according to Politico, was trying to kind of cover it up. Uh, Nothing on that. Nothing on why there was no press conference for so long. Nothing on the border, no pushing back, except that one reporter who was, oh, 
President Biden, no thank you. Do you commit to transparency? By the way, the border, as he tried to say that it was just as bad under Trump, GOP Representative Kevin McCarthy pointed out that there have been more than 100,000 illegal immigrants flooding our border. Last year, it was 30,000. Does that sound like it was the same amount under Trump as under Biden? Not even close. The dishonesty is disgusting and the press in this country is disgusting. We'll keep you posted, though, on what goes on because we're going to tell you the truth. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you next time right here on Janet Mefford Today. Today.